In this series, we speak to inspirational people who are working in global health. They share their journeys about where in the world they have worked, the issues they are passionate about, and how they got involved. Whether they are students, young professionals, or established in their careers, they all have one thing in common, to change this world for the better. In this episode, we speak to Ambassador Nicola Brennan, currently based in Ethiopia. She shares candidly her journey from her first development position in Indonesia to her current role as Ireland's ambassador to Ethiopia, South Sudan and Djibouti. She talks about the policy priorities of the Irish government, how gender equality is firmly embedded in her team at the embassy, what it is like to be a woman leader and her hopes for the future. Having a conversation about global health and HIV, we couldn't but mention our dearest uh, father, Michael. Um, he really was able to break through um, an awful lot of what individuals suffered, the shame that people, individuals had. He, he could see that and he could give voice to a lot of um, what people were experiencing. Um, and that really helped to mobilize uh, and often galvanize um, a lot of action. He came with evidence, he came with experience, he came with, you know, lived experience. Nicola Brennan is Ireland's ambassador to Ethiopia, South Sudan and Djibouti. She started out in her career working with VSO, Voluntary Services Overseas, for seven years in Indonesia. Prior to her role in Ethiopia, she was the Director of International Development Policy in Irish Aid, and she's held various roles over the years, including leading the department's international response to the AIDS pandemic and serving as Deputy Head of Mission and Head of Development in South Africa, Uganda and Zambia. So good morning. I'm so excited to welcome Ambassador Nicola Brennan to the show this morning. Nicola, welcome. Thanks a million, Nadine. It's really great to be here with you and engaging with the Irish Global Health Network on this really fantastic podcast series. Well done, you guys. Thank you. And thank you for agreeing just to share with us a little bit of your experience, which is just so interesting. And I know everybody listening is going to find it as interesting as I do. And um, maybe I could start by just asking you, how did you first get involved in development work and why did you get involved in development work? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think really for me, Nadine, from a very early age, I had a sense that I wanted to work in development. I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know how to go about it. Um, but I had a very keen interest in, in Africa in particular and a keen desire to go to Africa. Um, and then when I was in college, um, I saw an advertisement for VSO. VSO is the UK Voluntary Service Overseas Organization. Um, and I looked into the requirements. And as soon as I finished college, I applied to VSO. Um, I was called for an interview very quickly. And I um, joined VSO as a, as a volunteer. And that was my first step into international development. Um, I didn't study global health or any health-related sciences. I actually studied uh, in Trinity College, uh, economics and business. And then I went on to do a higher diploma in education. So I was a trained teacher. Um, and that's what attracted me then to VSO. I, was, I joined VSO as a lecturer. So I was lecturing in cost and management, accountancy and financial systems. 
at a college in uh, Indonesia, I had to learn the local language and deliver my lectures in the local language. Um, to I, I, I'll never forget the first time because I was lecturing mature students. I was 23 years of age. They were all older than me. They had work experience. And here was me standing in front of them, speaking another language, which I had just learned, talking about management accounting. So it was a baptism of fire, but it was one of the most wonderful and transformative experiences uh, for me as, as a very young professional. And that started me my whole career in international developments. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, so how did you get from, from management accountancy to these incredible topics that you have been involved in over the years? Um, and I know specifically, you know, for many years you were responsible within Irish Aid for, um, for, for HIV and you made some really great strides with the team there. When you think back to that time, um, what, what are the things that you're most proud of and what was difficult in, at that time? Yeah, I think um, my time in Indonesia was incredibly formative. And then I went on to do a master's in international development and management. Um, and it was through that then that I joined the Irish Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, and I worked for seven years in South Africa and Uganda. And at that time, the whole HIV pandemic was escalating. And I could see the impact that it was having on individuals and communities, indeed on, on the countries themselves. And I had a huge opportunity then on returning to Ireland and I was given the role as, as Ireland's uh, senior HIV advisor. And I mean, what was absolutely amazing about that time was that here was Ireland, quite a small country, uh, looking to make a difference in, in such an enormous issue as the global HIV pandemic. Um, and Ireland brought its voice, its experience, its political weight behind the issue. Um, and not only uh, made strides in the countries in which we were working and which we were supporting, but also had an impact on global policy. So we really brought the political weight in our voice. And it, by doing so, we really gave voice to people living with and affected by the pandemic, both in Ireland, because we made real connections between people living with HIV in Ireland and people living with HIV in the countries in which we were operating, South Africa, Uganda, I mentioned earlier, Zambia included. Um, and we used our influence to galvanize funding and to change policy or to influence policy direction. And I think that's what I was really, really proud of, that Ireland could do that. It wasn't easy. Um, very, very challenging time. Um, HIV treatment was just coming on the scene. Um, there was very high levels of infection and very high levels of death. Um, what I found was I got the opportunity to travel in my role um, and to bear witness to an awful lot of the suffering and challenges of many individuals and communities. And I can still clearly see the faces of some of those individuals. And an awful lot of them were young women who were infected who were battling to make ends meet for their children, who were battling to put in place uh, security for their children's future when they knew they were not going to be there to see their children through school or to see their children graduating. And it was incredibly difficult what those young women had to face. It was you know, very, very hard. And in lots of ways, those interactions for me motivated me to do more. 
motivated me to push the Irish government to do more, motivated me to engage in the global policy dialogue and to ensure that resources were being allocated to where they were most needed um, and to ensure that the policies that were being put in place were responsive to the needs of those individuals and those particularly those young women and their children. Um, so it was an incredibly uh, privileged time for me to play that role and a really uh, you know, fantastic that Ireland had such political weight behind it um, and was able to influence. But it meant bringing together the voices from different parts of the world, the communities from different parts of the world, uh, and indeed the policy and decision makers from different parts of the world. But working in the Department of Foreign Affairs, we had that convening power. Uh, we had that opportunity and we had the people across the system who were willing to engage with us and do this. Yeah, and it's funny you're bringing me back to that time, and um, that's the time that that you and I would have first met, and um, we were working, you know, in the field, and and um, you know, just just incredible to have met you and to have seen all of the things that 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 Irish Aid was doing, and the, you know, the kind of risks that Irish Aid took in supporting some of the initiatives that were making a difference, but not necessarily um, were the were the most popular ones or the ones that everybody was supporting. I think the other the other thing that you know I was thinking about you mentioned Zambia and I know we share um you know our our beautiful friend um, Michael Father Michael Kelly who passed away in in December and I know he was a big influence on on many of us uh, and a mentor and a friend um and I just wondered you know as we as you and I talk here and we're talking about HIV and education and and Africa and development what would Father Michael you know, what would he want us to focus on in relation to global health and all that's related to that? Um, I mean, I think, first of all, having a conversation about global health and HIV, we couldn't but mention our dearest uh, Father Michael. I mean, he was an incredible inspiration to all of us um, and, and continues to be. And I think for me, he really personified goodness and greatness in one um, and he always brought the voice of the voiceless to the fore. Um, and he used his position, um, his incredible intellect, um, and his incredible outreach uh, and network uh, to make a difference. And that's what I think he would like us to continue to do. Um, I think he would like us to continue to give voice to those who don't get heard, um, to fight for those who are most in need. Um, and he had a very strong voice for women and young girls and children. And education was his, um, you know, really uh, his, his background. And he pushed that very hard. It was a, a key tool for HIV prevention um, to ensure that young girls stay in school, get the education, reach their potential. Um, and that in itself, that process would uh, indeed empower them to be able to to be the best that they could be and I think that's what he would like us to do was to, con to continue to inspire to give voice and to come together as a global community in doing all of this because there's strength in numbers and he knew that and he was able to bring people from all parts of the world together um, and and really help them think through what we can address together. And I think one of the real things he and kind of relates a lot to your work too, Nadine, is on the issue of, of stigma. Um, he really was able to break through um, an awful lot of what 
individuals suffered um, through uh, HIV or other diseases um, and the, the shame that people, individuals had, he, he could see that and he could give voice to a lot of um, what people were experiencing. Um, and that really helped to mobilize uh, and galvanize um, a lot of action. Um, and people listened to Michael. You know, he came with evidence, he came with experience, he came with, you know, lived um, experience of through his own experience and through others. And I know that, and he knows, and he knows that we will continue this uh, in his honor, um, but also, uh, you know, with his continued support, I mean, he will continue to inspire. Um, and I think that's where he would like us to, to, to go forward. Yeah, it's really just lovely to um, just to be thinking of Michael and talking about him and um, just feeling the inspiration that that uh, that continues to move through us, like you said. Um, and I think for you now, you are, you know, you've recently taken up the position as ambassador. Um, and it's like, so I guess my question to you is, what's it like being an ambassador of your country? And what are your hopes for the role? And I think it's, you know, Ireland, Ethiopia, which is where you are right now, Ethiopia is Ireland's big biggest embassy and you have responsibility not just for Ethiopia but also for South Sudan and Djibouti and you're responsible for politics you know the political economic and consular levels and also international development and cooperation it's a very big remit um, what is it like and what what are your hopes for the role well first of all it's fantastic um, it's a huge honor and a real privilege to be Ireland's ambassador to Ethiopia um, and the other countries that you've mentioned, South Sudan and Djibouti. And we also cover, I'm also Ireland's representative to the African Union, to the Intergovernmental Authority on Development and UNECA. So as you've indicated, we have a huge remit. Um, and as you said, it's one of the biggest embassies. We have the biggest development cooperation uh, and humanitarian program. And that's warranted. Ethiopia is a huge country, 115 million people. It has huge challenges, but it's also got huge potential. And that's really where we're focusing our energies um, and our engagement on is, is that potential. And my hope for the role over the next, over the course of four years that I'll be based here, um, is really to position Ireland so that it can do all it can during that period of time to support Ethiopia in its political, economic and social transformation. Um, and given Ethiopia's position in quite a volatile region of Horn of Africa, Ethiopia itself plays a huge role in regional peace and security. Um, it played a very significant role in brokering the peace agreement in South Sudan about three years ago, and it continues to support South Sudan. Ethiopia is the home of the African Union. Um, African Union is responsible for continental peace and security, among other issues. So again, it's to really see how Ireland can support that regional peace and security going forward. Um, in Ethiopia itself, we're playing leadership roles in the humanitarian and social protection fields, as well as on human rights and governance. Um, and these are critically important. They're central to Ireland's values. Uh, and it's our role and uh, our privilege to advance these with Ethiopia um, over the next number of years. 
And maybe one of the key priorities which I'd like to refer to is, is on gender equality. The role and position of women here in Ethiopia, as in many other countries, is hugely challenging. And we have adopted a very ambitious agenda over the next number of years um, to address gender equality, both internally here in the embassy, so to really work through some of the issues with the staff, to build up their skills and competencies and capacities to be able to address gender equality, um, and then also to work on policy and practice with our Ethiopian counterparts. So we're looking at issues such as gender-based violence. We're looking at issues such as women's reproductive health. We're looking at issues such as women's political leadership, women's economic and social empowerment. And using the convening power at the embassy to engage leaders on these issues, using our development cooperation and humanitarian program to help address and make a difference. So it's an enormous agenda. I have an amazing team. We have a very significant staff um, and really big part of my role is allowing my team to get on and do their thing. And they are absolutely fantastic. Both our posted staff, we have, uh, including myself, six uh, Irish staff, and we have a team of about 35 local uh, professional staff and another 30 uh, support staff. So it's a very big team. And they're all absolutely fantastic at their job. They look at opportunities. They represent Ireland. They're the face of Ireland engaging with government, with civil society uh, and with the multilateral actors here. Um, they're the ones who really promote Ireland's values, really promote what we, what our experience and what we can bring to the table. Um, and we are modest, but yet we do have very lived experience in Ireland across all of the areas that we want to engage with here. And it's looking for the opportunities to facilitate, to convene, to support, to fund uh, and to influence. And that's really where, where we are and where we're positioning ourselves. So, yeah, challenging, but, but really, really exciting. And so fantastic to work with the team here. And uh, so fantastic to be in Ethiopia. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else at the moment. So why does it not surprise me that you are very ambitious? Why does that not surprise me? And also that you have an incredible team um, sitting around you. And speaking of teams, we've been able to see over the past few years that there's actually quite a few women now who are ambassadors to Ireland in various positions and postings across Africa. It looks to me like there is real, there's a real movement of, um, of gender and, and, and motivation um, among these really powerful women. And um, do you guys also work as a team, all of you? We do indeed, Nadine, absolutely. I mean, it is fantastic to see such leadership from women across the Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, there has been a very um, yeah, uh, committed engagement to ensure that women get these roles. Um, and as you said, there has been an increase uh, in the number of Irish ambassadors working in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, but also in other parts of the world. Um, particularly our colleagues in Sub-Saharan Africa, we have a fantastic network um, and we are, we engage with one another in terms of peer support for leadership, uh, in terms of looking at uh, synergies across our different countries and looking at what we can do to advance the role of women. Um, and, and that's really exciting. And there's lots of work that we can do, we're trying to do. Uh, we're all very engrossed in our own particular portfolios, 
Um, but it's fantastic to be able to lift our heads up every now and again and look at how we can advance these. Um, and as you know, it's a real foreign policy priority of the Irish government. Um, so we have a very strong focus on women and on addressing gender equality. There's a lot more we can do, um, but there's a lot we are doing and we continue to push. And maybe I'll just mention one of those things because I think it's a really important part of our work over the next two years is Ireland's membership at the UN Security Council. And it is such a privilege for Ireland to be in that position. Um, it is the global body looking at peace and security. And one of the agendas, one of our signature themes on the Security Council is women, peace and security. And it's bringing Ireland's own lived experience of addressing peace in Northern Ireland and the role that women took and continue to take um, in leadership roles, in, in policy, in dialogue and discussion, in addressing community issues. And it's bringing that to bear across other peace processes in the world. And Ireland is leading along um, with Mexico on women, peace and security as a signature theme at the UN Security Council. So as well as addressing it as a theme, we look at it in the context of the different conflict situations across the world that are being addressed at the UN Security Council. So for example, one of those is uh, in South Sudan. And the government of South Sudan have made a commitment to ensure that there is a representation of 35% women um, in key political positions and in key governance positions. So one of our roles is to hold the government of South Sudan accountable to meet that target. It's their commitment, but Ireland and in our engagement on South Sudan at the Security Council, we continue to bring this issue to the fore. Uh, and we will continue to do it across other countries' files as well as, as, as it as a key thematic issue, bringing our own, as I said, our own experience to bear. Nicola, I have to ask you a question. I've watched you for years and other ambassadors and those in, in, in DFA. How do you keep abreast and, and you know, knowledgeable about all of the, the issues that you have to speak on? You know, today you could be speaking on health. Tomorrow it could be education. The day after it's peace. The day after it's trade. How do you actually do that? By having a fantastic team around you <laughs> who, can, who can, you know, I think there's a couple of things there. One is having a very clear policy framework and identifying what are our key foreign policy, international development, humanitarian priorities. And then like any good system, we have briefing, we have lines to take, we have clarity on what agendas we want to push. And you then reflect on those in the context in which you are asked to speak or you're asked to engage and you adjust your lines to take or your key messages or your policy positions related to that. Um, so, and, and having a great team behind you who can keep you abreast um, of the issues that are coming up. Um, obviously, you have to you know, scan the horizon, uh, invest in research, invest in analysis, um, ensure that that comes through, that there's evidence that is informing your, the, the, whatever topic you're speaking on, really, really important. And that would be a really key part of what Ireland and the Department of Foreign Affairs would do is ensure that there is evidence behind what we are saying. Um, evidence and experience. So I think one of the really strong things about the department is that we bring our own lived experience in Ireland, where we also try as much as possible 
to give voice and bring the lived experience um, of the people whose lives we are trying to influence and whose lives we are trying to improve. And you do that so well in everything, everything that you do. Um, I'm just wondering from your perspective, you when you were based in Ireland over the, the, the previous few years, you led out on the development of Ireland's um, next de the development strategy, A Better World. Um, and now here you are in Ethiopia, um, you know, guided by that policy framework. Um, how do you see that moving over over the next few years? Does it feel relevant to where you are now? Is it supportive for you? Um, absolutely hugely uh, relevant and has provided and is providing the as as good policies should do it provides the framework for what we do here in Ethiopia it also provides the framework of what we're doing in a lot of other country contexts and indeed in terms of our global engagement and that speaks to the last question you asked me as well it's having clarity on priorities and being able to advance those priorities in different contexts. So the new policy, Ireland's new international development policy, A Better World, has really been the culmination of a, probably about a year and a half of work. And while I led that process, civil society, academics, other government departments in Ireland and internationally fed into it. So really what we put in place was a process to articulate what others reflected back to us as what Ireland should be doing and where we could bring our experience to bear. And the key framework of that policy is to leave no one behind. And that is the SDG um, what we would just say, strip line um, for the sustainable development goals and to achieve that by 2030. And Ireland, along with Kenya, were the two countries that negotiated and got agreement on the sustainable development goals. So hugely important that we then bring forward that key, leave no one behind. So that in itself, and, and that helps us, I mean, that builds on Ireland's experience and, and what we did previously uh, on, on poverty reduction, on ensuring um, that those who are most vulnerable and most affected uh, by poverty uh, were targeted by Ireland. And within that, the four key areas that we have uh, identified in that policy, which is reducing humanitarian need, addressing gender equality, looking at governance issues, strengthening governance and climate action. And if I look at all of those uh, four aspects, they're all very interlinked, but if I look at those four aspects and what we're doing here in Ethiopia, it's completely reflective. Um, so it does provide um, yeah, that significant policy framework uh, for our actions here, uh, not only in Ethiopia, but also across the region. Um, and I think it also informs how we're engaging right across uh, other countries and indeed um, at an international level. Mm -hmm. um, so you're yeah, very proud to have done that piece of work. Um, but again, I had a, an amazing policy team behind. And as I said, we used our convening power to bring create the space uh, for voices to be heard on this and really that's what it reflects. I wonder just as we as we come to the end of our conversation here today um, you know just thinking about younger people who are listening to this um, perhaps younger women perhaps younger men do you have one piece of advice or wisdom for somebody who perhaps is looking at, at you now today looking at you in global health in education in development and um, who might want to be getting involved in this what would your piece of advice be for them 
Um, I mean, the first thing, we haven't talked a huge amount about global health and my career has spanned lots of different, um, I suppose, portfolios as such and lots of different opportunities. Um, and to me, I think for anybody listening in, my key advice is to follow your dreams and your passion and to, you know, look for the opportunities to engage. There is so much need out there and it's not an easy world. Um, and I know I have been incredibly lucky in the opportunities that have come my way. Um, but I've also looked for those opportunities and I've jumped in when I saw them coming. Now, at times I didn't get it right or it didn't work out for me. And at times I had to take a back seat and, and wait for the next opportunity to come. And that's okay. And there are the times that we can get quite anxious that things are not working out for us in the world, but another opportunity will come. And it is maintaining, I suppose, that, that, that uh, just being really connected to what it is you want to do um, and, and to follow that and to try and position yourself and not to get disheartened if it doesn't work out, that another opportunity will come. If you keep looking, if you keep engaging, if you keep an open mind, um, those opportunities will come. And the, the, you, know, you can really make a difference um, by, by doing that, by being open, by being prepared, by being ready and by be, being willing to engage. And you know, I know, yeah, I'm, I'm so fortunate um, in, in terms of the position that I have now, in terms of the positions that I've held, but they've also come with huge responsibility. Um, and it's really trying to, I suppose, um, honor that. And, and uh, yeah, so I suppose it's it really follow your dreams, your passion, look for those opportunities, give yourself time and space. If it doesn't work out, something will come forward. And if my intervention here today can help somebody along their journey and along their path, I'd be absolutely delighted with that. So Nicola, I am blessed to know your lovely husband, Rory, and your amazing son, Louis. And I know they have moved with you, of course, to Ethiopia, and you've had a relationship with Ethiopia on and off for many years. What's it been like settling in as a family? How is that going? Great. Uh, thanks, Nadine. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, Louis is Ethiopian by birth, and it's just an amazing opportunity for him to be back in his birth country. He and really identifying with his Ethiopia side, his uh, Amharic is coming on incredibly well. I think it's a real street Amharic as he hangs out with the lads outside the gate in the house um, who don't speak English and he doesn't speak much Amharic, but they tend to have lengthy conversations about lots of different things. So he's doing great. And um, Rory, as you said, is a public health specialist. And he continues to work on the COVID pandemic, uh, both engaging with what's happening in Ireland and what's, in, what's happening here in Ethiopia and providing advice and support to Louis' school, um, as well as to the team here in the embassy. He's been an absolutely fantastic resource and support. So overall, as a family, we're really enjoying exploring Ethiopia. We're getting out there as much as we can, as much as the restrictions allow, um, and absorbing you know, the culture, the heritage, the language, the music. Louis absolutely loves the music, loves Ethiopian music. He's a few key people he's following online and, and just absolutely loves it. So it's, yeah, it's been fantastic from a family's perspective. 
Ambassador Nicola Brennan, it is such a pleasure to um, to speak to you. Thank you so much for, for being such a leader and such an inspiration. And I know me for one, and I know I could speak for many, we're so proud that you are an ambassador um, for our country in, in Ethiopia. So thank you so much and um, thank you. Thanks a million, Nadine. It's been a real pleasure as always. Thank you. So thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more or get involved in the Irish Global Health Network, then go to our website. You can sign up for free to become a member at www.globalhealth.ie. And we very much look forward to the next episode.